You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. So we've been looking at the things that Jesus never said because there's a wisdom out there that we do not want to live by, and yet we do. The, the radical departure from conventional wisdom that Jesus invites us to take is exactly that. It's radical. It, it gets to the root of things. That's what radical means. Raiz, radical. Uh, the, the things below the surface, the, the, the starting point from which everything else grows. We, we live up in the canopy most of the time, and we might want to like trim a few leaves off, or maybe they change color once a year. Uh, but but we're talking about the roots, way, way down there. And, and whatever has grown all the way up to the top of the tree at that point, it's really hard to change. It's even hard to see down there at the roots. But what Jesus is doing in the Gospels is he's addressing our roots. He's getting at what, what are you growing out of? And sometimes it's hard to change. And some of the things that we believe, some conventional wisdom, it's down there, y'all. We grew out of soil. We grew out of nurturing things that were not the words of Christ. And that, that just has to be okay. We can't, we can't feel um, uh, bad about where we were planted because we didn't even plant ourselves. But we do want to grow and we want to keep turning. We want to keep repenting uh, so that the wisdom of the cross, that wisdom of Christ crucified, that, that deep radical addressing of the source of things that Jesus is going for, that that actually gets to us, that we're penetrated by that and that we might be changed. From what root has our thinking, grow, has our thinking grown? The bad news is, is that our, our, our thinking, again, has grown from con- conventional wisdom, but, but the good news is that we can take every thought captive for Christ and that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This is promised to us, and we can actually try to do it. And that's what we're trying to do now. So this last thing that Jesus, that, that we're talking about before Advent is uh, something that Jesus never said. Everything happens for a reason. People say it when something terrible happens. Often when a loved one dies, which I think is just about the worst time to say it. But we want to say something comforting, and we ourselves are often very uncomfortable trying to talk to someone who's grieving or maybe grieving in some way ourselves. And the thing that just pours out of us is everything happens for a reason. And, and you might have been like, oh, wait, why did I say that? Why, why, why is that even in my mind? It just kind of falls out of our mouth because it's in there. And instead of providing comfort, I've heard that this, this, this phrase can often be quite cutting, that actually... It's, it's, it's hard to hear. Someone told me recently that people told this to her soon after her husband died. Everything happens for a reason. And she said, it just made me feel so stupid. I, I couldn't figure it out, and I, and I don't think they could either. But it felt like they were just putting this giant weight on me right when I was already carrying the heav- heaviness of my husband's death. It was just so, so terrible. From, from what root does this thinking grow? Where did everything happens for a reason come from? And why is it such a vaguely religious thing to say? 
I don't think this thought is attributable to like one person, but many people have put it in print. Um, so, so let's think about what thing might be behind this thing. You know, we can't, we can't, we can't blame someone for this. But what are people, what are people getting at when they're saying, when they're saying this? And what do we find comforting in it? That's the, that's the, the strange thing about all these things we've been talking about is that they're all kind of half true. You know, everything might happen for a reason, but how? I think that where this comes from is that life is completely ludicrous. That's the big problem that this thought is trying to address. Everything is absurd. Why, why is anything anything at all? Why, why are we like this? I want an answer. There's got to be a reason. I feel that. So if, if this is trying to speak to that, I'm listening. At least I'm listening. Uh, everything happens for a reason kind of is getting at the in it, there in some great chain of cosmic cause and effect all this somehow some way somewhere makes sense and there's a little bit of comfort in that if someone can fit this in his big old god mind maybe that helps me in the moment and if, I, and if I pay close enough attention, this is the hard part. Because if there is a reason, uh, then I think I'm going to have to figure it out. I think that we're, we're just magnetized towards, let me get the answer. Or let me get closer to the answer. Let me play my cards just right. And maybe then I'll be able to stay out of the way of the big reason in the sky that's going to come down on me. I think that's why my friend felt so dumb when they told her this in her grief. Because she thought that maybe she should be instantly ready for the lesson that was supposed to be taught. Maybe she should have been ready or more ready than she was. The great complexity of the university of the universe and all of its absurdity, all of it, all of it, all of it, every terrible thing that happens is supposed to teach me something. I'm a, I'm an intellectual input machine. And if I can crunch the numbers, I'm going to figure this out. I think that that's the, this is the very negative side of everything happens for a reason, but I think it's down there in the roots of it. I think that we want to figure it out. We want to know. We want to know the answer and the reason, and so this is attractive to us. Everything happens for a reason. It's like uh, the big cogs of time and space are, kank are cranking through their outcomes slated from the beginning of time and God's mind is just a pinball machine in which we bounce around for a while until the flippers miss and we go down the hole. I think that's down there in the root of everything happens for a reason. Fortunately, Jesus said something very directly about this when he was talking to his disciples in John chapter 9. It's almost a direct correlation why did this happen there's a man born blind and the disciples ask him why did this happen they have ideas about it but essentially that's their question will someone read this to us this the first seven verses of, of john chapter nine as he went along he saw a man blind from birth his disciples asked him rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is, it is, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming, 
when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Why did this happen? Jesus has an answer. Uh, the disciples might be saying to the, the, the blind man, well, everything happens for a reason. You're blind for a reason. It probably has to do with your sin or your parents' sin. And Jesus says, no. What does Jesus actually say? He says, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's his reason. And and to that end, I think Jesus might be saying, yes, everything does happen for a reason. And there's only one reason, is that God might be glorified, that God's works might be made known. Everything in all of history is pushing towards the one thing, the one person, the one pure act, Jesus, who needs to be known. God is breaking into the course of human history as a human being and making his glory known. God is, is twisting back to straight all of the, the bent events of human history and ensuring that we all see who Jesus is and that we all know him as the light of the world so that we may enjoy eternity with him forever. That's the reason. It's a big one. And it takes all of history to, to move it in that direction. God is like a, uh, a conductor of an orchestra, getting us to play something together and move us in a direction. He doesn't play the piccolo. He doesn't play the cello. He keeps us together and keeps history moving towards his ends, that God might be made known in us. There's no calculus of sin or physiology that, that could have gone another way, that we need to parse out why did this happen. God is making something out of this suffering. This blind man is being caught up in that orchestra. He's being caught up in the music of all things being made whole. He's being caught up in something that God is doing and moving all things toward. The redemption of all things. God's glory is shining in Jesus and all things will shine with their best brightness one day when the fullness of time has come. There's a reorientation to how we consider events. I made a chart. It's very simple, but I thought it might help to see. This is how we think about things. This is how the disciples ask. Why did this happen? Because something in the past caused now to happen. Basic cause and effect. And, and the trajectory of history is that we will keep moving along that same chain of events into the future. But Jesus comes and does something so radically different and reorients us from the future to now. Things matter from a different direction. And that's, that's, that's radical. That's like, I don't understand that. I'm going to meditate upon that for another 50 years and I might have five more sentences to say about it. Kind of deep. What does this mean? But that's what Jesus is saying. Is that this happened so that the future I am bringing to pass might be made known and that all may be able 
to enter the eternity I have prepared. Because Jesus is coming back, y'all. The future has broken in already and we see glimpses of his glory, but Jesus is coming back in the fullness of time and it's going to be glorious. It's going to be better than you can even imagine. And if it were in a line of cause and effect with now, it wouldn't be good enough. It, would, it wouldn't be radically different enough for us to enjoy it forever. Like if it were as good as it, could, if it, were as good as it gets, you know, it wouldn't be good enough. Jesus is coming back and he's going to make all things new. It's a new creation. He's using, and he wants us to be a part of it as we are. It's not a presto changeo like you're a brand new uh, automaton of yourself or some kind of Android version or Westworld version of yourself that goes on forever. That's kind of like the future, I think, that's in line with the past. But the, the eternity that God is making is so good and glorious we can't even imagine and we need to be continually remade to be ready to enter into it somehow the root of the tree that is it in the past is growing into the future and including us back into it it doesn't make total sense there's much much more to our present suffering than we understand and we can celebrate that today uh, in a special way because liturgical-oriented churches uh, celebrate today as Christ the King Sunday. Uh, in, the, in the liturgical year, liturgy means uh, the work of the people. It's like the, the church work that we're doing, the story that we're telling together. That's the liturgy. And we go from, from time into eternity every year, and Advent is the beginning. Like you were saying, Kathy, it's, it's the, Advent means beginning. That's next week. And we're going to do that in some fun ways, some, some deep ways next week. But now it's the, kind of the end where all things are revealed. It's Christ the King Sunday and his gloriousness is being made manifest to us. It's Christ on the throne in his glory, Christ in his return, Christ in our anticipation of all the goodness that he's going to do. We complete the year at the root of all things, which is in the future not in the past. The Feast of Christ the King ends the year with this climactic image of Christ enthroned in his glory, seated high above all the rule and authority, and, and, and one before whom every knee shall bow. And this, this moment, our humanity is brought with Jesus right there to the throne of the heavens. This is everything wrong made right in some glorious, unexpected way. But it's also Matthew 25, in which Christ reveals that even as he is enthroned in glory, the king who comes to judge at the end of the ages, he's also the hidden king. He's also the, the hidden king beneath the rags of, of even in the, and even in the flesh of his poor here on earth. You know this story from Matthew 25 about the sheep and the goats? We, won't, we don't have time to read it all the way through. But Jesus says, come, come in, you, you fed me, you, you, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And, and, and the, the, the righteous, well, someone wants to come in that door for some reason. The, the righteous uh, wanted to uh, 
say, well, who, what are you talking about? What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? I, we, we never saw you hungry or thirsty or, or a stranger. That's not, that's not a, that's not, that wasn't us. You must be mistaken, Jesus. And uh, Jesus says, no, when you, when you fed the least of these, when you gave drink to the least of these, when you clothed the least of these, when you, when you visited the sick least of these and the imprisoned least of these, anything you did to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. Jesus is right there with them. Uh, this passage calls us to, to love with all our effort, and we can be part of that glory breaking into our future, even if we're not sure how. Even if it's not completely apparent to us now, we can participate in this glory. We can do the work that, that Jesus began and, and, and love those who are suffering in practical ways. We can feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty. We can invite strangers in. We can clothe the naked. You were just about to let him in, right, Scott? If you wanted to. <laughs> uh, uh, we can do these things, and it'll keep us busy for sure. There, there is definitely a great call to action in Matthew 25. We must love the, the least of these, and we all know we need not look far to find those who are least. But here's the thing. Let us not forget that sometimes we are the least of these. Sometimes we are struck by some disaster, and we are the hungry or thirsty or strange or naked. And you might think that you're, you're way too rich for that ever to apply to you. Stop that. You too. Jesus is in you being the least sometimes. When someone is ready to clobber you with everything happens for a reason, figure it out, you might be the least. You might actually just need a cup of cold water. You might actually just need a welcome. You might actually just need uh, an ear to listen. And Jesus then is in you being revealed even in your weakness, even in your ultimate sadness, Jesus is there. He say, he identifies us with us who are in need so much that he says, that's me. I'm you. The gist of Matthew 25 is definitely pushing us towards serving those. But like we just sang in the song even, there was a line, if, if we come to expect from others what we also plan to do ourselves. <laughs> did, did you catch that line? We, uh, we are doing something uh, that, that, that benefits even us. The loving alternative community rooted in Jesus' transformative love makes us safe strangers and safe hungry people too. The love of Jesus in the hands and feet of those he has sent. And sometimes that's us. We, we sometimes are sent and sometimes we are sent to. Let us not be preoccupied with why, if we can. Certainly in your suffering, cry out. And if it needs to be why, why did this happen? Let that ring. That can be your prayer. But, it, but God came to be with you in your suffering, by suffering, in his very body as Jesus the Christ. Jesus, who deeply identifies with you in your suffering, so much that he said, when, when he said, I was hungry, and when you say, I'm hungry, there's something very close happening there. 
Jesus, the King of glory who's coming back, is hidden with us now. And let us trust him, even as we see him but a little, and trust that when the time is right, all will be made bright, and our suffering will come to an end. Let me pray for you as the band comes up. Pray for me too. Lord, when did we see you? When did we feel blind or were actually blinded? When did you touch us and make us well? These are our questions. And you are here among us, making yourself known, coming alongside us, even in the confusion of the questions. You are present to us, and you are the answer alive among us. That won't satisfy all of our intellectual needs, but may it satisfy our whole beings in ways that we don't quite expect. Turn us towards your future and help us trust as we move with you the best we can. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.